This will be my big reveal. It's a big reveal. <laughs> Exclusive. I mean, is it psycho or is it just great planning? I'm like, why are we out here? <laughs> See, because they, they love the game. <laughs> no. <laughs> I do not want to hit a little white golf all around. Hello, everyone. Hello, Hallie. Happy New Year to all. Happy um, New Year. Welcome to another episode of Henny and Hallie Can't Quit Golf. How was your holiday period, Hells? It was good, you know, Henny. I actually went, um, did a little skiing, a little snowboarding in Colorado, nice. so that was fun. Not not too much golf. We did play one round of golf in, in Vegas, but, um, but yeah, it was, you know, it was nice and relaxing. Got to see the family. Now, happy to be back in California for a little bit, and it's... Mm. Uh, I, I, we were talking about this before. I am very chilly at a frigid 63 degrees at the moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so I have some news. Drum roll, please. <laughs> I knew that the weather would be a way to, to have to hook you. <laughs> like, so where, what's the weather like where you're at? Oh. <laughs> Always, because I'm English. And the weather is our primary topic of conversation in England, That's which true. is where... I am now because I've moved back to England. You're in England. (laughs) Yeah, so um, that's my big reveal. I've obviously lived in America for the last three years. um, And we just moved from Arizona back to London. And it's quite the temperature shock for me because I left Arizona at the best time of year and came back to London at the worst time of year. (laughs) But I have to say, actually, I'm looking out the window right now. It's really sunny. It's uh, an American 45 degrees, which is about 10 degrees, mm-hmm. um, 8, 10 degrees. And uh, yeah, it's nice. I had a English Christmas. Um, it's really nice to be home. I've had roast dinners. I've had long country walks. My white dog got absolutely destroyed in the English mud, um, which he loved. I didn't uh yeah and I've had Bakewell's biscuits tea galore really have just made the most of all of the English things um but it has been fairly stressful not gonna lie moving country with two dogs and a nearly one-year-old is insane do not recommend <laughs> but I'm happy that we're mm-hmm. here and we're all sort of nearly settled in now I know moving from New York to California was stressful. I can't imagine moving from Mm. Arizona to England. You know, I went to England or I've been to England growing up every summer for, you know, four to eight weeks with my dad being from there and half my family there. I had never been to England outside of the months of July and August for the, Mm. you know, 20 times that I've been, except one time when I was going to European tour Q school in Morocco and we did a, a I did like a, a few days just in London before we went over to Africa. And I was like, Oh my Lord. I, I never, I was like, when are going to go in the summer? And I'm like, Oh, it's lovely. I'm like, it's a bit chilly occasionally, but now I'm like, Oh my goodness. Now I understand yeah. what like England is so freaking cold in the winter it's all right it has it has bought like vivid flashbacks though of me like trudging through the golf course as an amateur with like freezing cold hands and it being rainy and dreary but then you get in you get some hammock and chips and cup of tea and then you're good again bacon bat 
something. Good old bacon bat, bacon sunny. <laughs> yeah, I'm very much a fair weathered golfer now. I'm not about yeah. to go and play in freezing cold weather unless I have to, which I think ties in well to what we're about, what we're talking about today, Henny. Um, so before we talk about oh, what we're talking about okay. today, you have some news. Oh, with your darn. Okay, golf, yeah. Talking about your golf spill. Oh yeah. Speaking of a fair weather golfer, I, I can, I, I can be a fair weather golfer because now I play mm-hmm. for fun. And as of this morning, I am an amateur. I played attempted to play. I won't even say played. I attempted to play professionally after college for about eh, four or five months. And I quickly realized it was not for me. And I wanted to get into the media side of things. Um, but what was funny is I think I probably put off this amateur, you know, reinstatement process for a solid like year and a half, two years. Um, because I was sure about it that I, that I wanted to, you know, be an amateur for the last few years, but I was just like, I'll get to it. I'm sure the process is like very strenuous and you have to write down every golf shot that you ever hit. And I was just like, I'm too busy. I'll get to it eventually, eventually, eventually. So I'm really embarrassed to say, I think this is literally like a week and a half ago that I was like, (laughs) I was like, okay, I'm going to bite the bullet and I'm going to fill out the form. The form took me seven minutes. No, Hallie. Seven minutes. And you put it off for two years. For the, you know, the application Admin. fee. And yeah. then I get an email saying, we'll let you know in 10 days. So then I got the email today and it's like, you're an amateur effective immediately. And I sent it to my college golf coach. And she said, woo, really hold my breath on that one. <laughs> so yeah, but I'm really excited about So them. what are you going to do with your new amateur With my new amateur status? I mean, the, the world is my oyster. I'm yeah. going to... I'm going to attempt to qualify for the mid-am. I would like to play in the four ball. Sunningdale? Yeah, yeah. Foursomes? Yes. I mean, <gasps> you and me should play in the Sunningdale foursome. Oh, that'd be so fun. I'd love to do that. I mean, I'm all in. I honestly, you know, people people miss, you know, when they don't play for a while, like they miss golf. And yeah, I love the game of golf, but I, I really do miss the competition. It's like almost like a very... Mm you know, when your brain is just focused on getting the ball in the hole, granted, I don't want to do it for money. That's very stressful. <laughs> no, you just want <laughs> very stressful. 10 out of yeah. 10, do not recommend. Yeah. I um, don't want to do it for yeah, money. I, get that. I just, just want to miss like competing to yeah, compete. And I miss win. competing and I miss like the process of, I hit a fairway, I hit a green, I, I made an up and down. Okay. I need to work on this part of my game and just like that process of getting better is, is just really fun, but man, is it stressful when Mm. that's your livelihood. Which leads us seamlessly into the theme of today's episode, which is golf as a job and how that is and how it stacks up to other jobs. So when I was playing professionally, I always wondered when it was really tough at times, I was like, wouldn't it just be easier to get a different job? And everyone tells you how lucky you are to be playing golf professionally. So you kind of cram it down and you're like, no, I can't have those thoughts. I'm an ungrateful little shit. Can't be thinking that way. I've got to just keep plugging away. Actually, I'm really lucky and privileged to be doing this. So I can't complain or even dream of like doing anything else. And then now 
on the other side. And I think this is specifically if there's like stuff, especially when there's stuff going on in your life, right? And you're like, oh, I just want to live life, deal with my shit like everyone else and just get through my job and have job life separation. There is no job life or it's very tough to get job life separation in professional sports. And I've seen that with myself and with Ben, with football. But now having been on the other side of things, and I was thinking this really recently because obviously moving house has been incredibly stressful. At the end of the day, no matter what was going on for me personally, when I step in front of the camera, I get to work, I can just switch off and do my job. And it really dawned on me that I was thinking, wow, back when I was playing golf, I was wondering what it would be like to have stuff going on and be able to still perform. And now I'm on the other side of that wondering. And I can confirm to anybody wondering, for the most part, it's really, really impossible, I think, to play good professional golf and perform or professional sports while you have stuff going on in your life. Whereas for most other jobs, I think you can perform at your job still. Mm-hmm might not be to your like AAA star level but you can still perform at your job to a A level with stuff going on in your life for sure and that's been a really interesting like realization for me to have lately oh yeah for sure no that's definitely I'd say that's definitely spot on I mean it's like for for me I was could not really compartmentalize. I mean, someone that deals with a lot of anxiety, if there was something mm. that I was stressed about on the go- stress about off the golf course, and then now I'm on the golf course, which is a very solitary place, walking with my bag <laughs> down the fairway. Um, that's why I was a big yeah. Talk. You're thinking yeah. That's why I was a big talker on the golf course, and I think there were, it was somebody that would play with Jack Nicholas. He would play with Jack Nicholas a lot, and Jack Nicholas would always roll his eyes, and he'd be like, Jack, you don't have to talk. You just gotta listen. <laughs> And that is me on the golf course. I would just talk people's ears off just because I didn't want to be in my head by myself, you know, because I could yeah. go down some path and then, you know, then it would affect my, my game. But I think someone that I heard was very good at compartmentalizing was Annika Sorenstein when she was going through her divorce, Pia Nilsson and Lynn Marriott, who um, have the Vision 54 mental um, golf training program, Funnily enough, Pia Nelson was my mom's college roommate is there at Arizona State. Um, ah, yeah, so funny. yeah, and I've had the privilege through, you know, college golf and high school golf and stuff. I would go and occasionally work with Pia and Lynn and, and their team, but they referenced Annika when Annika was going through her divorce, she had to. I think what her and her caddy would do would they would try to come up with like the perfect bank robbery they would try to design like the perfect crime or something that's because funny. that's how they would that's how he that she would keep her mind I could be butchering that and then I'm gonna get in trouble for like calling Annika a crook or something but she's not she never hey, it's me believe as far as I know but and if she did we'd never know about it because we would never spend years concocting the perfect story. I can see the social cut now is Annika Sornstam a mastermind bank <laughs> But what I'm anyway. seeing oceans, oceans fifteen. I don't even know what number we're <laughs> on now. Golf style, Annika. <laughs> wow. Anyways, Annika though she would do the whole point being she would do these things with her caddy, so she would stay so present and would be able mm. be able to compartmentalize. And that is incredibly, incredibly difficult because golf is just such a mental game. I really could never play well if I wasn't in a good 
place in my life. And on that note, Henny, I think it ties in well to our podcast guest today, Henrik Stenson. He's got a lot going on off the course and he, he has an interesting relationship with golf. So I'm excited for you guys to, to take a listen. Henrik Stenson, welcome to Henny and Hallie can't quit golf. I like that. We've got Henrik, Hallie, Henny. We've got a lot of H's now on the podcast. Triple H's. Triple H, Triple H. So Henrik, we like to start off asking our guests what their relationship is with golf, because Henny and I, we have, you know, it's kind of like a love hate thing, but what about you? Well, I was just thinking the same. (laughs) (laughs) I guess great minds think alike, huh? Yeah. Obviously I'm 45. I played golf for a long time, about 33 years, I'd say. In the beginning, you pick up a club, it's it's your hobby. It's a sport you want to try out. And, and then you get really serious about it. And, and yeah, you start thinking about being, becoming a professional and going through the amateur ranks in Sweden and traveling the world and then turning pro and getting on tour. And, you know, it just, it kind of evolves. And once it becomes your, your, your profession as well, it's, uh, I guess that changes. Uh, then it's not all about playing maybe, Maybe when you like to play, you still got to put the hours in and, and, and work hard at your game, even at times when maybe you would like to do something else. And as a successful pro, you, you can obviously win tournaments, you can win big prize checks and so on. But I think the, the real drive, it's, it's for the love of the game, it's for competing. And, and, and that's really what, what we all started with back in the day. And then, and then it kind of changes, but that I, I still believe that's that's in there deep inside, even on on a bad day. That that's still there. Yeah. So yeah, little Hen- little Henrik's inside of you, just just loving for the love of the game. What was the thing that really drew you to golf? Because I know that your parents didn't play. What? Um, how did you get into the game? It was coincidence. Uh, one of my friends uh, lived a couple of doors down. His family played and, and they just uh, asked me if I wanted to join them and, and go to the uh, local golf club where they were members. And uh, I tagged along probably a Saturday or Sunday afternoon, uh, uh, throw a couple of tokens in, got a couple of baskets with golf balls. And uh, I must have hit a couple of them out of the middle because I I came back, asked for asked for my parents to buy some golf clubs, take some lessons, and uh, yeah, on I went. So uh, it was just pure coincidence, and and obviously uh, something that I'm very happy uh, that that I got to do, and and how it all came about. Yeah, it worked out. Are you still in contact with that friend? This is probably about six, yeah, six seven years ago. I was uh, I was playing the the Swedish uh, European tour event near my house and I contacted the family and we invited them all down to the event and had a big dinner at my house and and, and so on so we kind of got to show a little appreciation for for them introducing me to to the game back in the day and and got to uh, to catch up with with that family and uh, and spend some time so um, yeah it's it's been we haven't been in contact too much over the years but um, at least I was given the opportunity to to show some some appreciation. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it just shows you, you just invite your neighbors to play to the range. They might become the next Henry Sensen. <laughs> yeah, always a chance. So your kids had a kind of a similar upbringing to, I guess, what mine would be. So your parents not really playing golf. My parents both are into golf. Your wife also very, very good golfer, having played at University of South Carolina. Are your kids into golf? 
so I kind of feel that my oldest is a little bit of a lost cause. She's turning 15 this summer and, and she, she plays a little bit, but she never really got into it. Uh, my son, uh, Carl, who's, uh, who's turning 12 in March now, he's, he's keen on his golf and really picked up on the last couple of years. I, I, given what I do and how much golf is, is kind of part of our life, I, I never felt like I wanted to push that on them really. And, and uh, he, he started playing and then the last couple of years, two or three years, he's really been getting into it. And we watched uh, Tiger and Charlie play at the uh, PNC for the Sun last year when we were back in Sweden for the, for the holidays. And, and I could see that it's, it definitely sparked an interest in, in him. Well, I know another person that has uh, played in the father-son, Annika Sorenstam, with, with her son. So she, she lives not too far away from you. I think literally just a few, a few holes down at Lake Nona. Now we're going to have to get some, some matches with the kids out there. Yeah, absolutely. No, they, they do play, uh, play together. Uh, Annika has played with, with a dad in the... Um, in the PNC tournament before, and um, I, uh, I think and hope that Will uh, might be ready, uh, maybe in a year's time or something, to step up instead of his his grandfather. Yeah, the kids have some good matches, and and it's fun to see them being out there. And they they reached age now where they can just roam around on their own at the at the range at the short game area and and go out and play a few holes together. So it's it's a different story. My my youngest, she's uh, Alice, she's. Uh, She's kind of into it a little bit, but obviously it's a it's a different story with a six seven year old. And then you got to be there and watch them and and so on. When they get a bit older, it's it's uh, it's also fun to see them kind of do it themselves and and uh, and just be out there and enjoying the enjoying it. Yeah, I mean Lake Nona has the most incredible practice facilities. I remember I'd get home from school and then you know just go to the range and come back when it was dark. And I mean I'd see you out there and Annika and Justin Rose, and I'm on the side of the range just topping, <laughs> shanking balls. <laughs> it really puts in perspective. You're like, wow, I got a I got a long way to go. But I mean, that, it's the most incredible place to practice. Maybe you should have asked someone for lessons. I, I know someone who's a golf uh, golf pro, golf teacher. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? My my dad actually tells a story. Annika had a uh, a girls clinic on the range at Lake Nona. And this was when I was about 12 or 13. I didn't like golf at all when I was little. And I'm really glad my, you know, my parents were like, just, you know, do what makes you happy. But I, I went to this junior clinic that Annika hosted and she's going down the range, you know, helping each girl. And my dad till this day will say Annika waited 20 minutes just for you to make contact (laughs) (laughs) and then it was funny because a few years you know I guess when I was 18 or so Annika's family ended up buying our house that we lived in and some of my college recruiting letters were going to her house so I had to go and pick them up at Lake Nona and I remember her just being like wow well you've come a long way haven't you (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, they, yeah. There you go. Time. The dot, the dots get uh, get connected. Yeah, but I think that's good. I mean, like you said, your kids maybe they have an interest, maybe they don't. But golf is something that's gonna be there always. And you look at somebody like a Nick Faldo didn't pick it up until they were fifteen. So um, you know, there's definitely there's definitely time. Little Alice still might, might become the next Annika Sorensen. Who knows? 
Yeah, yeah. I think if I had to 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 put uh, to put two dollars on which one of my daughters, I'd, I'd put it on Alice over, over Lisa at this point. So, but I mean, I, I just want them to to be able to play. I think there's a few like tennis is is good to to kind of learn a little bit if if you know how to ski, if you know how to golf. It's you never know later in life, uh, your partner, your your friends, whatever it might be. You say, oh, you want to come skiing or you want to come golfing. If you if you know how to do it, then it's uh, it, it's it's pretty pretty handy to kind of have in your back pocket if you know a little bit about those things. So uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see, but we'll we'll uh, we'll see how much they want to do. Yeah, I know. I feel like a lot of times on this podcast, we're just talking to mostly professional golfers, but um, we had a woman named Asha Rangappa, who was a former FBI agent. And she, you know, she's not a professional golfer by any means, but golf is so huge for her. She said in networking and, and just connecting with her friends. And so I feel like we all get caught up in professional golf, but you know, 99.999% of people it's, it's a hobby and it's a great one and something that, you know, everyone can do and you don't have to play at a professional level at any means. So I want to ask you again, I know I briefly mentioned your wife who was, a, or maybe she is a great golfer. Does she still play? I know that she's, you know, probably really busy being a badass agent, but um, does she still get to play at all? <laughs> yeah, she, uh, Emma doesn't play more than a couple of times a year, I'd say. Uh, when she, uh, she, she graduated college uh, back in the day at the University of South Carolina and uh, played um, back in in Sweden professionally for a couple of years and and Europe and uh, actually I caddied for her at the LET the Ladies European Tour Q School and uh, she didn't qualify for that so I guess we can blame the caddy for that and uh, and then she um, she uh, kind of decided I think that it, it was enough to have one one person in the family traveling around the world trying to to play professional golf so. Um, Obviously, she she knows what it takes, and and she's been been on that side of the fence and and seen it really uh, both with her own playing career, but but then being uh, by my side for so many years. So very supportive, and and um, you know it, it becomes a team effort, and and um, it's a lifestyle and and everything that goes with it. So uh, yeah, she's been there since the beginning, and and obviously uh, been a great supporter throughout uh, good times and bad times. Yeah, I, was, I would think that it would be, you know, helpful to have somebody in your corner that, you know, really knows what you're going through, whether, you know, you had a great round or maybe a bad round, you don't want to talk. It's like, no, they get it. They've been there. Yeah, yeah, no, no question. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's been a fun journey. I mean, uh, and she catted for me back in the day. We, before we had kids, uh, uh, she was caddying for me in Singapore, in New Zealand, uh, Australia. You know, you kind of go to all these places uh, in, in the Far East and around the world. And uh, that's pretty cool as a couple as well to be able to, to do that and, and see the world together. And, and then things, of course, change when, when you start a family, you got young kids, then uh, yes, you, you can bring them on the road. And we did that for a bit, but it's, uh, it's also hard work to to travel around the world with, with youngsters. And, and then the day comes when, when they need to have their stability and their friends and their activities and school and all the rest of it. So, um, uh, since then Orlando has been, been the full-time base for us and we spend, um, yeah, nine, 10 months out of the year in Orlando and then go back to Sweden, um, 
uh, over the the, the kids' uh, summer holidays, so about ten weeks in the summer, the the family base themselves in Sweden and catch up with family and friends. So it's it's a good mix for us and and uh, getting the best out of out of Sweden in the summertime and then getting the best out of Florida uh, for the other nine months. It's it's a good combo. Yeah, you don't need to be in Florida in like that June July. <laughs> then then we take a hike. We we leave that. Uh, the thunderstorms and the high humidity and and high temperatures then then we then we take a little bit of a break yeah that that sounds like that's a great plan um Henrik so this podcast is called Henny and Hallie can't quit golf because we've had we've both had a lot of moments where there's just been times where we're like screw this we're done and then we always come back <laughs> have you ever had a moment like that oh yeah it's been uh, i mean a professional career uh, over over a couple of couple of decades, you, you're always going to go through some some good times and some bad times and good seasons and bad seasons. And I've certainly had my ups and downs. Uh, 2001, the second part of that year was was really tough and kind of really lost my way with my game and had to work hard for a couple of years to to get it back. And um, there were there were certainly times when when you feel like you're not too too far away from from giving up, but uh, I guess I'm not a quitter, and and here we're sitting 20 years later. So, uh, uh, but it, it's going to test you. Um, life is going to test you at times, and and uh, and sport and professional sports uh, also going to test you. So, uh, yeah, you got to be resilient and got to be strong in those tougher times. Uh, you know this game, and then you make a, a good swing on 17, and you hit that five iron to five feet to make a birdie, and that's all you're thinking about when you when you're in the restaurant afterwards or when you're driving home. It's, it's been some rough times over the years, but I think that that's also what makes you appreciate the good times and 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 when you have success. So um, yeah, no no one's going to be out on tour for long if uh, or for many years without having some rough times. That's for sure. Yeah, you can't have the ups without the downs. You're obviously famous for the shot in your underwear in 2009. So I want to use that as a jumping point to ask, what is your take on, you know, golf fashion? You've got your sunglasses line, which is super cool. Um, what are your thoughts on it? Uh, well, I'm not sure if that was very fashionable to hit yeah, well- my underwear, <laughs> but uh, it certainly got a lot of, lot of exposure. Uh, in more ways uh, than one. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it was just, I mean, I hit this ball in the water hazard and, and I thought, um, I thought I was going to be covered in mud if I played it. Cause it was definitely a benefit getting it out of there rather than taking a drop under the trees. And, um, yeah, I, so most things came off and shirt came off and yeah, I hit the shot no mud whatsoever, more than on the feet. And, uh, I guess I could have, I could have kept the shirt on, but, um, yeah. Uh, I, like I, I still I still get people coming up and asking me to sign that picture like 10, 12 years down the line. So obviously it, it, it's stuck in, in people's memory and they think it's a fun thing. And there's been a couple of copycats, I think, some guys here and there that have been dropping the pants and getting in water houses. But uh, I guess there can only be one original, right? Yeah, you're the OG. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> so before I let you go, I need an update on the prank war with Ian Poulter. I didn't publish uh, one of my latest attempts because it it kind of failed, even though I was happy with it. Because I I found online this uh, it's called like the the most spicy gummy bear on earth or something like that. I can't remember exactly what it said, but it's like a super super spicy gummy bear, 
And I had him lined up perfectly because he likes the Swedish candy. So I gave him a couple of pieces of Swedish candy and I, I throw this gummy bear in the mix. But it was so spicy that he immediately realized something was wrong. His, his mouth just got on fire straight away. So he spat it out and it kind of, it didn't turn out. I, I planted it beautifully and executed it good, but he kind of picked up on it a little bit too easy. So I, I can't really take a point for that effort. Uh, um, so I, I, I'm, I'm kind of back at the drawing board. Uh, if you got any ideas on what I should, any pranks you think I should play on him, uh, feel free to, to give me some suggestions. Okay, I will. I'll, I'll put my uh, thinking cap on. How did the prank wars start? Like who, who pulled, like pulled the trigger first here? Uh, I think it's just been little silly things. I mean, we, it could be anything. We're having dinner together. We're going up in the elevator and, and, you know, they, they see you press number seven and, and then when you don't pay attention, he would press number six and then he makes you go off on number six and, and the elevator door shuts and you're walking down the corridor and it's like, no, 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 I'm on seven. And then it's already too late. It could be anything like that. Uh, but he put, he put shaving foam in my, in my shoes in the locker in, in Dubai a couple of years ago. Luckily, I, I put the shoes up on a shelf so I could see... I saw in and I, and I kind of, otherwise I would have put my foot in and this shaving foam would have just been floating around everywhere. So, um, yeah, it's just been like stupid stuff that, that you do to, to kind of spice up the, the, the everyday stuff. And, um, and then this, the second kind of time around, I took his car keys, um, a year and a, and a bit ago in Dubai and, uh, he didn't know and they they were at the car looking for the car keys going through all the stuff and then eventually I send a picture where I'm sitting with the with the keys and and asking if he if he's uh, looking for these so yeah whenever the opportunity arrives and and I got him like three times in a row then then he took my car and yeah it's just been back and forth and and um, yeah Ian Ian is a lot of fun and and uh, uh, I, I think we, as as Europeans, we're just used to kind of the the banter and and uh, and and doing silly stuff like that to each other with practical jokes and so on. So uh, yeah, there's always something going on, and um, yeah, you have to watch your back. That let, let's put it that way. Yeah, you know what's funny? I think this is a you know a pretty common opinion is that like the European social media with all the pranks and the videos that they do is just so different than a lot of the American guys. Why do you think that is? You think it's like the camaraderie that a lot of you guys have just kind of like grown up, you know, playing, you know, country versus country, or is it just a different sense of humor? Or what do you, th- uh, why is that? Yeah, I think, I think partly is a different sense of humor. The uh, I'd say the Swedish one is very similar to to the English one, which is more of a dry, sarcastic humor. And and um, yeah, you have to be a little bit careful sometimes when when you exercise that, you can kind of shoot above the goal a little bit. It could go above someone's head, and they're like, "Is this guy serious?" And yeah, maybe because you 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 travel as a tight group and and you do that for many years uh, around the world, and and I don't know that that kind of comes quite comes quite natural for, for a lot of guys to start start messing with each other when you spend a lot of time together. So, um, yeah, I, I don't know all the answers on that, but that's kind of, that's how we operate. And 
and it's just uh, it's just a little something to, to spice up uh, life on tour, I guess. And and it seems like a lot of people have been enjoying watching it and following what's going on as well. So uh, we'll we'll try and keep them happy. Absolutely, please do. Yeah, I'm gonna be I'm gonna think about pranks um, for Poulter, and I'll be keeping an eye out for more funny European tour content. Henrik, thank you so, so much for your time. Um, have a thank great, you. have a great rest of your year and uh, we'll talk soon, hopefully. All right. The same to you. All right. Thanks, Henrik. I love that interview, Hallie. Um, Obviously you had to take that one solo. Sorry, I couldn't join you, but you absolutely crushed it. And it was just so nice to hear from Henrik. He um, always speaks so eloquently and has one of the driest senses of humor out on tour. I love it. Actually, I have a funny Henrik story um that I don't think he knows I would definitely say this to him in person if the uh moment arose but I was at Bay Hill and we were going out on the pro-am day to get player interviews I was with Sky and um we were with one of the cameramen who's awesome Mark Bordeaux I hope he doesn't listen to this because if he is listening he's terrible but if he's not listening then he's awesome um <laughs> and so anyway we're going out getting sound bites from players for a feature and one of the players that we want to interview is Henrik know Henrik well thinking fine and it's a funny thing in um broadcasting because often you refer to players by their last name right so Stenson Polter because you're talking about the leaderboard but then you wouldn't necessarily call them that to their face because that's not their name. They are called Henrik uh, or Ian or Pulse. Um, for some reason, I randomly started the interview. I was like thinking what I wanted to ask him, went up to him. We were, he caught me. This is what Henrik is pro at. He catches you off guard and he says something silly and then you forget everything that you've just thought about. Uh, I'm pretty sure he does it on purpose and he is the master at it <laughs> and then laughs about it afterwards um, but I started the interview with so Stenson <laughs> and then thought to myself no what are you doing in my head but this came out as just like silence so I just went so Stenson and then asked the question like <laughs> continued and was horrified and then afterwards the cameraman was like are you in the army I was like what she's like I saw what you you just called him Stenson it was like Stenson <laughs> and then for the rest of the week that's what I was given shit for is me going Stenson <laughs> instead of just that's calling amazing. him Henrik like a normal person and he didn't like he did he like raise his eyebrows or anything he just yeah kinda... you know him he doesn't miss a beat and he just looked at me like there was like a moment, but it didn't help that I just went silent because in my head I was thinking, you bloody idiot, what are you doing? Yeah. Who says that? Oh, yeah. oh man. I'm Well, I can't I, wait to, I, I hope that you get the chance to, to tell him that story one time, but he definitely has a great sense of humor. And I believe that he has passed that on to his son because Carl Stenson, what a character. I know Henrik, you know, mentioned him um, in the interview that I did with him, but I mean, the, I know, okay, Charlie and Tiger Woods, obviously great, iconic father-son duo, duo, but Henrik and Carl, Carl is just like never misses a beat, absolutely rips his dad at every chance he gets. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, he's a mini Henrik, isn't he? Like yeah. just, so I love the interviews because he was so, so stone-faced and just giving his dad shit. Didn't even look back at him. 
no. uh, approval or like haha wink caught you out he was just like yeah this is what I do all day every day just take my dad down like somebody asked I don't I don't remember who it was but somebody was asking uh Carl a question and said do you think I have a chance you guys have a chance to win this week or something and Carl just said not with the way he's playing or something <laughs> <laughs> something along those lines I was dying yeah and said that delivered it perfectly didn't look back at dad was just like no not with the way he's playing <laughs> so good um but obviously you recorded this before um the pnc and so it's really funny to hear henrik talk about how he and carl were inspired to go and actually play in the pnc and for carl to take golf more seriously after having watched that at home in sweden and mm-hmm. watching tiger and charlie and um it's obviously not the first time that Tiger and Charlie have inspired a duo, but it's just funny to hear Henrik and Carl talking about them before the event. And now they were like the superstars of the event. It was really interesting. Obviously with our podcast is about relationships with golf. And it was interesting to hear him say right at the start of your interview with him, that his relationship with golf kind of changed when you go from, like he said, playing as a junior and playing in Sweden and all those events and then when you have to it's something he said really stuck to me like when you start playing golf because you have to not because you want to that's Mm -hmm. when things change and that was really interesting and so so true because I think a lot of people like play golf in their spare time and love it and wish they could play it more and more and more but then that relationship completely flips on its head when actually you have to play golf even when you don't want to because it then becomes your job. Right. And you don't have a choice. That's right. That's yeah. And I'm think I'm in a place and you're probably in a place too, where it's like, I'm, I'm very happy that it's a choice now, <laughs> you know, because yeah. relish the time that I can be around it and I can play. But- well, I think also Henny, when people think of professional golf, a lot of times they're thinking that they're like, Oh, Brooks like Kepka level golf, like flying around in net jets, private chefs, physical therapists, you know, the nicest accommodation of all, you know, the majority of professional golfers are not in the top 50 on the PGA tour. And it is not the right. glam life that everybody's seeing. But then even Brooks was saying there was times when he wanted to give up. Yeah. You know, like even someone who has all of those perks of the job if you like and have obviously earned them by working hard to get to inside that world top 50 even they still have struggles with golf and have times where yeah I don't want to do this anymore like golf is I think I think it's the hardest professional sport personally um obviously I'm pretty biased but just from everything that I've seen there's just so many different factors that go into it and some of those factors or a lot of them are, are quite uncontrollable. And mm. even you controlling everything you can control sometimes just is not enough, you know? Yeah. And that's not, and then I think you all, I always feel the need to justify that after as so being like, but that's not me being ungrateful or like, because that is the, the thing that everyone does. Like, you should be so grateful. You should be so lucky. You should be so privileged. And it's mm. like, yes, I'm very lucky to have done what I did and do what I do now, but. I don't think everything should just be siphoned down to that. Like just because you're grateful for it or you're in a lucky position doesn't mean that there aren't, you know, difficulties yeah, with it. Doesn't it mean it's at not the same time. Hard as F. <laughs> exactly. Hard <laughs> AF. 
<laughs> Very difficult. We're all out here just trying to survive. Just golf. Trying to survive. <laughs> I should make a t-shirt of that. Trying to survive golf. Right. I like it. Start a brand. Let's get some merch. <laughs> um, okay. In another final noteworthy and newsworthy announcement of the podcast, we are going to be answering your questions uh moving forwards we want to hear from you guys um we've had such incredible feedback individually and together on the podcast thank you all so much for listening and tuning in and getting in touch with us privately but we want to take that public and we want you guys to ask us anything you want it can be golf related not golf related mental health related driving to morocco related getting your amateur status back related chubs related kelly ledbetter's uggs related (laughs) i know i have some questions there um yeah whatever it is uh we really want to hear from you guys so watch out for uh some question spaces that um hallie and i will be putting out there soon awesome all right honey well always a pleasure i will see you in a in a few weeks see you in a few weeks thank you guys for listening to another episode of henny and hallie can't quit golf i'm henny koyak And I'm Holly Ledbetter. And we'll speak to you guys next episode.